Hey sister, what's up? I'm so glad you are back for another episode of the Sisters of Christ podcast where we are in the middle of our racial reconciliation series. And today I am so excited to share with you an interview with Nina Uguomo. She is the founder of Student Dream, an amazing nonprofit that focuses on closing the racial wealth gap by teaching financial literacy. So not only have I had the privilege and just honor of walking with Nina as a friend, but also I've gotten to seeing her teach these classes in real life in high schools in Brooklyn to black youth. It's incredible. This woman is 100%, you know, walks the walk, talks the talk. Um, She's the real deal. So I'm really excited to Uh, have her on the show and have you guys listen into this very important conversation where we talk about investing in black communities so God will receive all the glory. It's a big topic. So get ready. We're going to dive in. Welcome to the Sisters of Christ podcast, where we are here to grow in faith, boldness, and love together. You're going to hear some incredible stories, testimonies, and wisdom from fellow sisters who have been transformed by their relationship and walk with Jesus. As you listen to the podcast, my hope for you is that you will be inspired and encouraged to walk boldly and confidently in God's calling for your life. I'm Jeanette Bordeaux, daughter of the Most High King and your host. And sister, I'm so grateful you're here. This isn't your average Christian women podcast. We're going to hit on some topics that you may have never talked about in a church setting before. We go deep and we get real, but all in love. So get ready and let's dive in. In the first interview, we were talking a lot about Student Dream and your story And Uh one thing that you said that really stuck out to me and hit me, really changed my perspective on a lot of things, Uh was um, the sin of racism. And honestly, until that point, I, while I knew, of course, racism is a terrible, terrible thing, I just, I honestly had never had that perspective. I had never, I don't think I'd put the two and two together, if that makes sense in my mind. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I would love to for you to talk about that a little bit, kind of like racism as a sin. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So I think that it's always easier to relate when you've experienced anything. It's it's a lot easier to sympathize than to empathize because when you sympathize over something you've experienced that as opposed to empathy where you have to enter into that. So I can understand how that would be the case for you. And, you know, some, as a, as a black woman living in America, you know, racism is something that I have experienced. And when I think about it as the sin of racism and not to go too, too deep, but I, if, if we were just to break down the idea of antichrist, right? Antichrist is anti-God. Christ is the image of the invisible God. And who reflects the image of God? Who was made in the image of God? In part, right, that that is man. In Genesis chapter 1, let us create man in our image, in our likeness. And 
that is what humankind is. We are made in the image and likeness of God. And we were called to reflect God, right? That it, we were, were called to reflect that image. That is the glory of God, being able to reflect God's image that we see reflected so fully in Jesus. So anything that attempts to devalue the image of God, that is a sin. And when you think about the sin of racism, you are literally saying that because of someone's skin color, they are not good. And that, that, that is, that, that is not true. That's a lie that it, that is evil in God's sight because, you know, sin is missing the mark, right? Sin is falling short of God's standard. And that, that is really the, the foundation that I use to understand the sin of racism. Whenever you're saying something that is a lie or something that is defaming the, the glory of God, the image of God, that is sin. So when I think about the sin of racism, I just think of, wow, someone is defaming the image and the likeness of God. So that is how I think about the sin of racism. That is so powerful. I think everyone needs to hear because, wow, I think we can even, I mean, we can see this in so many different ways of yeah, even the way we speak to ourselves, how we, you know, yeah. are basically slapping God in the face. Because God has said you are beautifully and wonderfully made. God has said you have innate value and worth because simply because you're made in my image. So to treat someone as less than, I mean, that is, that is, that is completely missing God's standard, which is just what sin is. Yeah, I guess when we think about, you know, the sin of racism and any sin, it's like repentance. And uh, we did an amazing um, interview with Carla where we, she led us into this beautiful prayer of repentance. It was amazing. Come on. Yeah, it was good. I was like, amen. Glory to God. But I'd love to get kind of your perspective. Like we're in this global reconciliation moment. Yeah. I would love to hear from your perspective as a black woman, you know, Christian who like, what is that? What does this time like look like for you when in regarding like, you know, I guess seeing everyone starting to reconcile. What does it mean for me? What does it look like for me? Yeah. Penny, like, can you ask experience? that? Yeah. What has my experience been? Wow. It has been a very, probably the most emotional season of my life. I've never felt such a wide array of emotions, feeling rage, feeling sadness, deep sadness, feeling hopeful because the way God has naturally wired me is as a leader. So when I see things that need to be fixed, I take the initiative to fix them. And that has created a whole bunch of hope for me because God has really anchored me in being hopeful, right? I really have a lot of hope. I know, I believe God's promises. I believe that all things are possible with God. But then I also know that the human heart is deceitful above all things. Who knows how wicked it is? I, I know that there's sin does exist and sin breaks everything and destroys everything. And I see that and I, I lament over that. 
So this season has been an extremely emotional season filled with deep lament. I've never lamented like this in my life. I've never, God is, is really personally growing me in lamenting and really being sad over just what's going on and just the horror of racism that black people have experienced in America. I was talking to a friend today. They asked me how I was and I was like, I'm sad. And he was like, well, what's going on? What do you mean? <laughs> because that those are words that aren't you don't often hear associated with me. But that was really how I was feeling. I had just watched a, an incredible TV show. Everybody in the world needs to watch this. We have to pray for God to God that they bring it back. It came out a few years ago called Underground. And it is a beautiful portrayal of the story surrounding the Underground Railroad, really focusing in on a group of seven slaves who are making their 600 mile journey towards freedom and just the action, the adventure, the drama that unfolds in that. And so obviously that was in my, in my soul, having just taken that binge watch, those two seasons, 20 episodes. And there was another song, song by John Legend featured in the, the show called in America that really both of those put voice to what I was feeling. And I just was like, man, this is such a sad story. just the horrors that people went through past and the present that people are going through black people. And so just a deep sadness there and then a deep rage for seeing just the reckless way police officers are taking life, the just seeing the injustice that people experience and really having that holy rage, that righteous rage towards just the, the, the wickedness of sin and how it destroys, it steals, it kills, it destroys people's lives and the way it's been stealing, killing, and destroying black lives. It infuriates you and to see that there's no justice for that. So I've really had to run to Jesus in this season because I've when, when I've seen pictures of police precincts burning, I've been happy. Uh, and I that that's my that was my honest emotion because I, I want to see justice and I've had to bring those emotions to the Lord and really walk that fine line of being angry but not sinning in my thoughts and my actions. So it's been an extremely emotional time for me, really feeling the most diversity of emotions that I've ever felt, I think, in my life. And can I actually add something to of that? Of course. So Absolutely. what I would add as well, this is actually something that that God has really been bringing up to me, which it's very fascinating because I just think this is a season where God is, or I observe, is he's really exposing idols. And if we allow him to, to smash those idols, right, that's where repentance comes. We have to bring our idols and burn them at the altar. And for me, one of the, the idols that I'm always tempted by is the approval of man, particularly because of the work that I'm in. I, and I love people, but the work I'm in especially requires a lot of people to be involved in it. And a lot of diverse people, especially if we want to have all of the sufficient funding to run our programs. Since this is the case, I often am intimidated and become fearful to speak truth on subjects of race. It, it, it may seem, seem that I'm bold, but there's been times where I've, I've felt, and I know I've watered down my statements to not come off as that angry black woman. 
And the Holy Spirit has convicted me on that. <laughs> he was like, Nana, don't be afraid to speak the truth, you know, to call, to say the word white supremacy. Don't be afraid to make people uncomfortable with the truth. And that has also been a very humbling point for me and a point of repentance because the Lord is saying, hey, don't don't be afraid of man and don't be afraid to say these statements, don't be afraid that you're going to lose out on funding, that people are going to think you're, you're pro-black or you're, you know, this black nationalist or whatever, because of the statements you're making, don't be afraid to be misjudged. Don't be afraid to make people feel uncomfortable with the reality, because this is a, you know, these are very uncomfortable conversations that we're entering into and nobody likes to have. I mean, I just think about the divorce rate, right? People aren't good with resolving conflict. <laughs> people don't like to, especially in America. Let me not say people, Americans, right? We love comfort. We do not like having difficult conversations. We want to always be happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah. But that's not reality. And these are very uncomfortable conversations. And it's like, yo, this is, when you look at history of this country, it is very dark. That is the reality. The, the, the blood on on the hands of this country and we have to, we have to go to those dark places and just one of the things that God's been saying is don't be afraid to make people uncomfortable with your statements that are just re it's the truth when you think about the horrors it's a very like very evil you know this isn't even just bad things happening evil wicked hor horrific nightmarish things have have been legislated by the federal government and and stolen, killed and destroyed black people, indigenous people in this country. That is our history. And it's a very dark place to go to, but we have to go to it in order to to have reconciliation and and so those are again that's just another added layer of what God has been walking me through and what I've been experiencing during this time know that you are welcome to offend <laughs> like I wow you are so welcome to say what is on your heart always especially on this podcast we are interviewing you thank this you. Is for you this is not for you know other people um obviously we're gonna they're gonna get lots of things out of that thank you Jesus but it's for yeah. you to speak so I never want you to feel like you can't say anything I appreciate it yeah that's course. really affirming and, and very empowering one of the things you said, which I think is so important, and I, I, uh, you said uncomfortable, and uh -huh. one, you know what? I've just really, I'm just kind of realizing as we're having this conversation is that I feel like a lot of people, especially on social media, have been talking about how it's very uncomfortable. But what I've realized is <sighs> that I'm seeing that mainly from white people, to be honest. Uh -huh. And I'm like, interesting. Like we're so uncomfortable. But I feel like I haven't gotten the perspective um, from a black woman, black man about what is their uncomfortability like about having these types of conversations. Because I feel like for a lot of us, you know, unfortunately, I'm included in this white people, you know, phrases that yeah. I'm using is that we haven't been involved in these conversations as much as we've needed to be. And so this is kind of yeah. like our entering into them and going deep for the first time when you know, black people have been doing this for years. So I would love to, yeah. I think it's... Because again, you have to live with it. Yeah. With it. I think it's like to really... So honor. like, <laughs> yeah, if I can say, I, I want to, I, I, I mean, I'm, I apologize for interrupting, but 
one of the things that literally, I, and I use, I never use this word, but one of the things that has literally flabbergasted me, <laughs> that has been so bewildering and just like, wow, I, that that's amazing. Just to, I can't remember what I read or watched. Perhaps it was just me watching, since I'm in the business world, I watch CNBC a lot, and just seeing people the anchors bring up conversations around how do we diversify our workspaces? How do we get more funding into the hands of black entrepreneurs and founders? All these different topics that folks have been having conversations around. You know, I personally am working in the space for the last decade, but then people have been having this conversation for the last 50, 60 years. And I'm just like, what? And, and it just dawned on me like, wow, white people can literally go their entire life never having to think about this. Because again, this whole difference between sympathy versus empathy, it's one thing to have lived something, but another thing to enter into that experience with someone. And that is the definition of privilege. You have the privilege, aka the choice, the option to not enter into this if you have never, you don't have to. And so that was just, just hearing these conversations that, you know, I and my colleagues have been happening, having for years. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I, I didn't, that's really, you. one really does not have to deal with this or think about it. So that was uh, very eye-opening for me wow. and, and shocking, surprising. Two things. <laughs> There's so much coming out mm-hmm. of even, I'm like, I don't even need questions. <laughs> like. <laughs> opening up my, my mind so much. So thank you so much. Yeah. What do you think like in this, like what can white people do? What can we do with our privilege? Right? Like what can we do? Mm. How can we use our privilege for reconciliation? There are a number of ways. I, I, the, the two thoughts that come to mind is number one, being a voice to the voiceless and opening doors being a voice to the voiceless, opening doors, correcting, rebuking, admonishing their peers. Those are the three things that come to mind. Because again, since no one's going to change a problem that they don't have or aren't aware of or don't care about. And the privilege that many white people have is that they have many other friends who are white and who are not thinking about these issues because they don't have to. So for one to be intentional about starting conversations, that's where change happens when you can start conversations with people you are in relationship with because folks are much more apt to listen to folks who are they're already in relationship with. That's one area. And when you think about all of the positions of power I mean, there's so many layers to this, both mm-hmm. on a social, economic, mm-hmm. spiritual. There's so many different levels to this, but I think it always starts with relationship, engaging peers in relationship, in dialogue to help them see that, hey, I'm talking about this. You can talk about this. I think there's education that needs to happen. In, in the midst of that, being able to correct one another intentionally, really intentionally creating communities and groups to talk about these issues and to mobilize around bringing solutions to these issues. When, again, one of the areas of privilege and, and power, you know, 
just from an economic standpoint, it is opening doors. It's starting new initiatives at your company, at your church that's intentional about engaging on these conversations around race and equity. How can we make a change? And that starts with understanding your context and doing an analysis of what, what's lacking here and then finding a solution, what really is the need. So I think those are just three easy areas. Being a voice to the voices, having conversations with your friends, opening doors that to areas where you're already in. Yeah. So leveraging the privilege of a voice that you have, relationships that you have, networks, finances, experiences. And one thing you mentioned, which I really want to uh, open up even more spiritual, because um, uh-huh. we've been we've been doing. Um, this Arabon course uh, on racial reconciliation at my church, which has been really, really helpful. And yeah, how can we be reconciling reconcilers and become like a reconciling community together? And one of the things that has come up in a lot of our conversations is why, you know, why is our churches so divided when it comes to race? Why do we see, Mm -hmm. you know, a majority, why is our majority at our church white? Why is the majority at another church black? Like, why, why is that? And if you could speak to that, um, yeah, if you could speak to kind of like what your experience has been in the division of the church and what kind of your experience is now. Yeah. Why are the churches so segregated? I think it comes down to lack of compassion and care. (laughs) I mean, God has really convicted me on the front of, you know, you can talk all you want, but actions really do speak louder than words. Your, your actions will really show you where your faith is. And if it's one thing, if you're in an, if you live in a neighborhood that is all white, right? I mean, that's, that's, those are actually two things, right? Because we also have to ask ourselves, why is the neighborhood all white? <laughs> yeah, right. that's a, that's there's his history there as well. Yeah. But if you, we live in New York City, so I can speak to that context. Mm-hmm. It is not even bewildering because I'm not surprised, but it is very disappointing to see churches in the heart of New York City. You know, in Manhattan, in in very diverse neighborhoods that don't look like the neighborhood. That's an issue because if we are called to love God, love our neighbors, we're supposed to know our neighbors and break bread with our neighbors unless we don't care. (laughs) And so I think that number one, we have to be honest with where our hearts are and repent for lack of compassion and ask God to give us compassion and a care for our neighbor, not even from a, like us with a savior mentality, but just a love my neighbor mentality. I just want to know this person. I want, I care about who is this person? Who is the beautiful and wonderful person that God has created? How can I get to know them and build a relationship with them for the glory of God, not to save them, but to just love them, love my neighbor as myself. And 
So I would say it starts with that, with repenting for lack of compassion. I think their their actions speak louder than words. So the question is, well, why are we in such diverse neighborhoods and we don't have any relationships with diverse people? So that's that's number one. And then number two, after you repent, right, then you can actually start to to build those relationships. But the root of it really is a lack of care, lack of compassion, uh, and and just the way that that permeates through an entire community, as in, and I say community being church community. I mean, if no, if none of your your leadership is, if all your leadership is white, if all your all your leadership is Asian. You you can't won't don't expect to have that diversity there. Uh, if all of your your outreaches and engagements are in communities where people don't look where people look the same as you, don't expect to have that change. So that's that's really I mean, and then there's just that history of segregation and racism in the church. You see, even after President Trump was elected, there was such a uh, I think the New York Times did a feature on all the African Americans who were leaving the quote unquote evangelical church because there just wasn't it, these issues around why so many African Americans were lamenting over the election of President Trump weren't being addressed. And all these issues of race and white supremacy weren't being addressed. So it's like, I'm going to leave. Why are we talking about things that I really, that affect my holistic growth as a follower of Christ. That's the issue. I mean, there's a history of racism. Again, this whole idea of no justice, no peace. You have some of the greatest, quote-unquote, greatest theologians who own slaves. John Edwards, George Whitfield. That's terrible. You have so many, look, like, literally, the faith in America has been colonized when you think of it, it has been whitewashed and that affects people people don't even understand the idea of urban apologetics and the idea that there are this is such a growing number of African American atheists who are turning to faith in ideas such as Kemetology and Hebrew Israelites and Nation of Islam because they believe that Christianity is the white man's religion because when they think about Christianity, one of the biggest objections to Christianity is the idea of evil and suffering. And what does that look like in the context of a black person? It looks like slavery and white supremacy. And so when these are never addressed they're going to just respond like, oh my gosh, absolutely not. I'm not going to your church. That's the white man's religion. You guys never talk about these issues of evil and suffering that I experience every day as a person of color. So when I see your white Jesus, when I see your all of your white leaders, that's a trigger for me because all I'm, when I hear about your, your great theologians that they own slaves. That's a trigger for me. Who in the, why would in the world would I believe in a God who owns slaves who call, you know, like that's the idea. And, and it's hard for people to get, that's a hindrance to people understanding the true Jesus and the true God who uh, is the God of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who sets captives free, who, who, 
calls slavery wickedness. Um, so that, that, and that history, if that history is never addressed, it's like, absolutely not. I'm not going to go to your church or listen to you, man. So it's historical. It's a his, there's history there again there. And that's why it's so important to know history. There's history there. There's lack of compassion and lack of diversity and leadership. I know it's a lot. It's deep, man. It's yeah. deep. That's why we need all hands on deck, yo. This yeah. is so like God is God is big enough to do anything, right? But if people don't show up, like I think about the story of Joshua. Like God gave God handed the land to Joshua, but he had to go and get it. So God is handing us reconciliation, but you have to do work. This is not this is not about waiting on the Lord. If you never come to the table, we won't see heaven invade earth we the, the time is ripe god is god is already on the move and so it's like yo you you coming or not um no you're so right it just fills me with just hearing this and really just thinking about uh the church and just fills me with a lot of sadness mm-hmm. as it should yeah i mean there's so many things that the american church we forget like we should be sad over sin. Yeah. <laughs> we were not meant for for sin, right? God did not create us to die. God did not create us to to be choked by a knee for eight minutes and forty six seconds, right? It should fill people with sadness, but again, we we try to avoid this, and that's unhealthy. Again, that's this whole happiness culture in America that there is no nothing is bad, all is good. It's not true. So it should be. We should. That's like, yeah, we got to be sad. We should be. We should lament over over sin and the destruction that it's brought. Yeah. Amen. My goodness. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to talk a little bit about, like, lament. Because I feel this is a, actually mm-hmm. a topic we talked about um, this last week in, the, in our six-week Airbond course. There was this majority kind of... Uh, kind of experience that people were sharing that, you know, most people in our group, you know, hadn't, hadn't experienced, I guess, a, a church that had prioritized lament or mm. what that really meant or how you even do that. And that was something that, right. you know, I definitely, you know, didn't experience until, um, yeah, it really took my having, uh, my own, you know, one-on-one spiritual mentor. Um, and mm-hmm. it was in the context of, you know, individual healing. It's definitely something I'd love to hear from your point of view, like what that, how can we practice lament as like a church body? That is how we practice it. Being honest with God about how we feel. Being honest with God about how we feel, not just the happy moments, but being able to call it out. Lord God, I lament the fact that for centuries, African-American women were raped repeatedly and they couldn't do anything about it. Father, I lament the fact that George Floyd pleaded for his life over 20 times so that he couldn't breathe and the police officer did nothing about it. You know, I lament the fact that there is so much complacency amongst my white brothers and sisters who say they they follow Jesus, who calls racism wicked and evil. That's how we do it, man. 
So being honest about what what is bringing you to this place of deep sadness and, and mourning. That's how we do it. We do that individually. We do that corporately. We can do that verbally. We can do that in writing the same way that we can either verbalize our prayers, write down our prayers. Where I think just the same way we're as intentional with saying what we're thankful for, we got to be so intentional about what we're lamenting. So that when someone asks you, how are you? I can really say, man, I'm sad. And this is why I'm sad. I'm sad because I just watched this TV show underground about the Underground Railroad. And I just learned a lot of stuff about, dang, that this was horrific. Man, this was literally a, a nightmare. But it was real. Oh, my gosh. The things that were done. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's definitely something, uh, like the way, like you actually doing lament on this podcast mm. helped me see what it what it actually really looks like. Um, yeah, and- it's feeling, and I just ask for God the grace. Pray that God would give you the grace to lament and be honest. We see David do it. I would say read the Psalms, and that'll really. I believe that'll strengthen you in the Lord to lament, to be honest, because I'm sure like many of you listening, you'll read the Psalms and be like, dang, I can talk to God like that. (laughs) And you can. Yeah. You've shared so many, so many powerful insights, experiences, truths, and I'm so grateful. Mm. I have a question. What does a reconciled guess world what does a reconciled world look like when i say world i really think about reconciled communities reconciled churches reconciled every like the whole literally world like kind yeah. of every every system like we're existing in what does that look like so i'll share just something that the lord shared with me years ago this was probably around 2015 2016 I don't know if you or folks listening remember, but there was at least maybe if folks are working the tech world, they'll remember this. There was a whole call out of many of the largest tech companies in the country. Google was called out. Microsoft was called out. PayPal, Amazon, they were called out because of their lack of diversity. There were so many numbers saying less than 1% of, of the folks represented in these industries are people of color. And there was this huge uproar. And then there was all this movement from these companies to figure out, okay, how can we diversify? How do we bring more diversity? Diversity, diversity, diversity was the word of the year. And I remember God just speaking to me and saying, Yes, diversity is important, and we even see the, the benefits of it in numerous reviews and pieces of research, including Harvard Business Review highlighted a research study that showed diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams. And as I was thinking through that and just paying attention and observing all this commentary around diversity... The Lord told me, he was just like, you know, none of this is, of course, diversity is profitable, but, you know, people haven't even scratched the surface on diversity or the why behind diversity. And the why behind diversity from a, a, a holistic spiritual perspective 
kingdom perspective is that God created, God said you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And because, so that means every single person in the world is beautifully, wonderfully made. Whether you have white skin, lighter skin, darker skin, you're beautifully, wonderfully made. And even I am very, I hate that I have, that even the fact that I have to, this is a sidebar, mm-hmm. but even the fact that I have to use the word black and white upsets me because it's just, it's made up. It's not, it's, yes, we have different color skin, but God said that we are male and female. And then he talks about nations and tribes. So there's definitely different ethnicities, but again, the concept of race, it's just this ridiculous creation of sin, which makes me so mad. We have to talk about it because sin created it, but that's just not, it's not even a thing. And I say it's not a thing as in it's, it's just God doesn't, did not create this idea of racism. He created male, female and ethnicities and tribes and tongues, but he sees us as he sees you as a, as a woman with lighter skin from, you know, whatever European or, you know, country that you're from. He sees me as a woman from the the nation of Nigeria with darker skin. You know what I'm saying? Um, So that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. But I say all that to say that God made everybody beautifully and wonderfully, no matter what the color of your skin is. And so, which means, and if, if, if every man, according to Genesis is created in the image and likeness of God, that means that when I interact with Jeanette, who, you know, is this beautiful, is this woman from whatever Europe, Europe from this European nation who has lighter skin, I'm experiencing, since you reflect Jesus, I'm experiencing the beauty and wonder of God. Or when I'm talking to my friend Candace, who is this beautiful woman from South Korea, who has this a unique skin tone, right? I'm experiencing the beauty and wonder of God. When I talk to, you know, my boy, uh, Stephen from Australia, who has a lighter skin tone, I'm experiencing the beauty and wonder of God. When I talk to my, my boy from, you know, South Africa, Malawi, Kenya, Zambia, Tanzania, who have these beautiful skin tones, I'm experiencing the beauty and wonder of God. But if I'm just talking to my your all if all my friends are european yo like i am literally missing out on the beauty and wonder of jesus i'm missing out on the beauty and one I'm, I'm missing out on so much beauty and wonder of jesus and if we were created to behold god to behold his beauty and his his him and if if men reflect the image of god right by by not having by not having diversity, by not having reconciliation show up in relationships, because that's what reconciliation is, I'm missing out on the beauty and wonder of God. So for me, reconciliation looks like us literally beholding the beauty and wonder of God, all of it in its, in its complete fullness. And that, and then we see that in scripture, right? There behold i saw a multitude of peoples every nation tribe and tongue right shouting holy 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 is the lord god almighty who wasn't wasn't is to come that is reconciliation and that that is i love that you know the book is called the book of revelation right that is what it looks like that is the revealing of jesus and what his his perspective of reconciliation looks like a multitude of all peoples every nation tribe and tongue 
and we can experience that now if we decide to join the party because God's already doing it, but you have to be willing to repent. You have to be willing to be humble. You have to be willing to come to the party. So that's what it looks like. And it'll be a beautiful and wonderful thing. <laughs> a freaking man. <laughs> right? A freaking and so for man. me, I'm like, yo, I don't want to miss out on the, I want to see Jesus. I don't want to miss out on the beauty and wonder. So I even have to check myself, right? When if if all my friends are black, right? If or if all my friends are, you know, from from the Caribbean or from Jamaica or from Trinidad, right? I'm like, yo, I need to I need to hang out with some of my Nigerian friends or my South African friends or my my uh, British friends, right, or my Brazilian friends, or my my Japanese friends, my Chinese friends, my Russian friends, right, my my Australian, my Kiwis, you know, because I want to, I'm like, I am jealous to experience God and the beauty and wonder of Jesus. So, yeah, that's that's what, like, makes, and I think it's so important with anything that we do as believers to not get so caught up in right and wrong as, as, important as righteousness is as important as wickedness is in the in the sight of the lord one of the things that he says in the book of revelation when he's ta- when he's correcting one of these churches he was saying like i think it was i forget which church it was maybe the church at ephesus he's talking about man like i i love that you love righteousness i love this is a summer me summarizing I, I love that you hate wickedness you know but i have this one thing against you that you have, you have, you know, fallen far. You have, you've like really, you've missed the mark. You've fallen far because you forgot your first love. And so it's so it's, it, it totally shakes my, my thinking because I'm, I'm here sitting, well, I did right. I did what was right. I didn't do what was wrong, but it's like, you have, you don't have your love. And that's why it's so important with matters of reconciliation. Yes, it's important to know right from wrong, but it's like, where's your heart at? Do you really actually have, are you really delighting in participating and getting to know other people who are different from you? Because that should be your motivation, right? Jesus was compelled by love. We should always be compelled by love. And so for me, it's not even about, even when I'm on the brink of being angry, of sinning, of wanting to just like just being fed up and tired with my white brothers and sisters or my Asian brothers and sisters, God is always like shows me that vision, right? The word talks about without a vision, the people perish, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Like once you, when you have that vision of being like, yo, the beauty and wonder, I get to part, I get to see the beauty and wonder of God by getting to know my, the, the lives and the stories of, of my brothers and sisters from different nations with, with different hues of skin color. I want that. So it doesn't even, so of course I'm going to say yes to this and no to this and no to that. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what compels you. That's what hopefully Lord willing, we, I, I would pray for, for that to compel us in reconciliation, that vision of, of beauty and wonder and getting to taste and see and participate in, in the fullness of the beauty and wonder of the Lord. Yeah. Again, a freaking men. <laughs> you, you have such a beautiful, holy outlook. I think you've t- Man. I, just listening to you speak. I just learned so much and just really see mm. just such a beautiful heart for God that you have in so many different ways. Thank you, Jeanette. Thank you. And one of the things that you said to me before, which I really just want to highlight because I just feel like it's so it, it's so in line with what you're saying about beholding you know, the beauty of the Lord. 
Um, mm. And it was that, oh, I'm going to butcher it, so you're going to have to come back and make it <laughs> Of course. <laughs> but it was basically that we were talking about, uh, yeah, inequality um, and, and the racial you know, wealth gap uh, with all the amazing mm-hmm. work you do with Student Dream. And you said that, you know, a big inspiration for your work is that you want to see God get all of his glory. Yes. <laughs> and here's why, because again, oh, everybody, God, everybody, if we really believe the scriptures, which I do, everybody is beautifully and wonderfully made. God gave everybody gifts and talents that they're supposed to steward Right. And that we're we and it's not not just individually, because this goes back to like killing this this folk religion of white Christianity. Shout out to Jonathan Walton and his book, The Twelve Lies of That America Told You, which talks about this idea of white folk religion that is not rooted in scripture. This idea that it's it's individualistic. When you look at scripture, God is 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 tribal. He talks about nations tribes people he 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 is always talking about you being a blessing to your children's children and you see that in the way that people are either blessed by what their parents do or their husband or wife does or they're either cursed by what their parents do or their husbands and wives do because sin is not just doesn't affect the individual but the entire community i say that all to say it's so important to understand that what happens to one person affects all of us and it's not just up to the individual it is up to the individual to be responsible for their lives but also it's up to the community to be responsible for the individual and that's part of seeking the peace of the city seeking the prosperity and the peace of the city is really caring about what's happening in the lives of individuals and community members because if God has created everybody beautifully and wonderfully, if everybody has a purpose and a plan, which is to glorify God through their unique gifts and talents and the good work that God prepared ahead of them for them to do, we get to, for, for his glory, whether they're saved or unsaved, God wants all men to be saved and they've been given gifts that if used correctly could glorify God. And unfortunately, if that if the community is not investing in the individual, we don't get to see those seeds of gifts, skills, talents, plan, purpose, future, hope, blossom. There is literally this idea of, when you think about plants and gardening, there are certain plants that need a certain type of soil, certain type of sunlight, water, in order to flourish and so there's a lot of communities where there's this these great seeds but because they are don't have the right soil they're not getting the right watering the right sunlight that others are supposed to bring they cannot fully blossom and hence thus god can't get all of the glory from the fruit so that's my my metaphoric way of saying, yo, imagine all of the fruit that are in these communities. I am a champion for underdogs. It excites me. I I mean, that's why I love the work that I do because I literally, the vision that I have of the work that I do with Student Dream, it's gold mining. 
I literally get to go and just go get find gold in these in these areas that are so overlooked and so undervalued. And for anybody who's listening who's in the world of finance, one of the ways that investors make most of their money is by by betting by buying stocks when they're low and undervalued. And when they appreciate in value, they reap their return. And so I think one of the most undervalued investments in the universe are people of color and communities of color. Uh, because of the sin of racism has undervalued people. And I'm like, man, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to invest in that. So holla at me. Girl, <laughs> if you want to invest in equity. Preach, preach, <laughs> preach, preach, preach. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm so glad. I knew you were going to take it and make it beautiful. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to say this kind of, but she's going to take it and do something amazing with it. And that's exactly what happened. Man. I'm so grateful. Man, you are such, you're such an inspiration. Every time we talk, I get so much energy from you. I'm inspired by you. Uh, I learn from you. I'm empowered by you. And I just, I know that everyone you interact with feels the same way. I can't even imagine. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, sis. I appreciate that. Yeah. So much. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, I was, uh, one day, I think I even did this today. I did on a live. All the days run together. Uh-huh. But just right, they home. sure do. Yeah, <laughs> especially in quarantine. Seriously, I was like, uh, "Is it Friday?" <laughs> I, was like, I don't even know. I think it's Friday. Maybe. I'm grateful it's Friday. Um, but yeah, I just want to read this scripture, and then if you will pray us out, like whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever the Lord is putting on your heart to pray. You shared so many amazing, beautiful uh, revelations with us that I just pray will really touch the hearts of people and take them into action. Um, but Amen. Yeah, I feel like this is so aligned with what we're talking about, and that's Romans 6, 6. And then mm. it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Mm. Amen. Those who are free are free indeed. This is the time where we need to, yeah, realize, step into this revelation that we are free from sin. That sin has no place on in our lives. Sin of racism has no place in our life. Has no, nope. come on. Our church, our everyday lives, our workplace, it has no place there. God, Jesus took care of that on the cross. Yeah, and we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. Mm. And God's grace is sufficient. When you are weak, he'll make you strong. Where you are poor, he'll make you rich. So, I, and I just say that, that's what I say when any, any in any area where I'm weakened, I just remind myself, wow, God's grace is sufficient. So just to encourage anybody who's listening, like if you're weak in this area of, of reconciliation, if you're weak when it comes to killing racism, killing white supremacy, in your life or any prejudice that you may have, like God's grace is sufficient for you to help you. But we just have to come boldly to his throne and ask for help and be honest with where we're at. And I think that is such an area where many people of all hues have fallen short is in showing each other grace. Cause like there's a, a lot, it's different to be arrogant versus ignorant, right? If someone's being arrogant, you 
you have to rebuke them with the scripture, right? That you correct a brother, you rebuke a brother. If someone's ignorant, you show them grace. Jesus treated people who were arrogant, aka the Pharisees, Sadducees, a lot different from the way he treated people who were just ignorant. You know, a um, lot different. And I think that's the same approach that we all need to take with one another. And I just want to, can I share a scripture? This is uh, something that I'm going to do a write-up for. And I don't know if it's a devotional, what it's going to take form as. But God really highlighted this piece of scripture to me this past week. And this is in the book of Joshua. And it's right after Joshua and the Israelites. They have just defeated a number of kings they have defeated a number of of kings who tried to attack them and actually came together to attack them and now they're actually they've they've the kings were hiding in in a, in a cave and the commanders of of the military commanders of israel bring them out to joshua and joshua says this is jo- joshua chapter 10 verse 24 Uh, When they had brought the kings to him, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the military commanders who had accompanied him, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So the commanders came forward and put their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous for the Lord will do this to all the enemies you fight. And this was huge. Because as I was reading this, naturally, the given that it's July 10th and we're still reeling off of the murder of George Floyd, the immediate image that I saw was George Floyd with the, the knee on his neck. And the Lord had showed me that racism is a, is a real evil that has put its knee on the neck of African Americans in this country and it's it's knee on the neck of complacent brothers and sisters of lighter hues however God is king of kings commander of commanders and he will put his feet on the neck of racism because at its core it's a deep spirit and a stronghold that needs to be brought down and so this was very encouraging for me, very prophetic in the Lord just saying, like, you should not be afraid or discouraged by what's going on, but be strong and courageous to march on towards freedom and towards victory and towards the promised land of reconciliation, because God will viciously destroy the sin of racism by putting his feet on its neck. And it's important to understand that these kings weren't just some some wusses, right? These were kings from many different kings from five kings from many different kingdoms coming together to try to kill Israel but and is but the Lord handed them over to Israel not because of their might not because of their power but because of the spirit of the Lord and the commander of the commanders fighting for you that encouraged me so just choose the right side y'all <laughs> yes. I do not want to fight against a, the king of kings who will put the feet his feet on the neck of my enemies. So, <laughs> Amen. yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. That was amazing. Yeah. Wow. 
Yes, thank you, Lord. Oh, man, I just thank you for this beautiful discussion, God. I thank mm. you for, oh, that you are the God that puts, you know, your feet on the necks of our enemies, God, that you, yes. you are a reconciling God, that you're already doing the work, Lord. I just pray that every single person that listens to this, Father, wherever they're at, Jesus, in their journey, that you just... Holy Spirit, encounter their hearts right now, Lord. Show them how to join you in reconciliation during this time, God. In their workplaces, reconciliation in their personal lives, God. Reconciliation in their churches. Everywhere that they go, they become reconcilers, Jesus. Because, yeah, the work that you're doing in them, the relationship that you have with them, Lord. I pray that people seek relationship. Because that's how we become like you, Lord, is through relationship and how we get to know yes. your, your heart, Come on. your true heart, Father. And I just pray, yeah, that that manifests, that manifests, Lord, in everyone's lives. And we lament. Amen. Amen. So thank you guys so much for listening in. I know these episodes are long, so thanks for sticking with us. Um, and I'm just so honored as I was re-listening to this episode, just how much Jesus is in this. Jesus is in these conversations. Jesus is with us. His presence is with us. You know, he died so he could be one in our spirit through the Holy Spirit. And I'm just so grateful for his presence. I'm so grateful for him entering these conversations. These aren't just random, you know, podcast interviews. Um, yeah, we just bring Jesus into everything. So I just pray that this touched you. And if it did, if you felt the Holy Spirit, come on, then I want you to leave a five-star review for us. Tell us what you think about it. Tell us what you love about the podcast. Um, share it with a friend. These conversations are extremely important. So we appreciate every share. So have a great rest of your day, night, morning, wherever you are. And we'll see you next time.